0: Welcome to Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Guy Cipriano. We're down in our uh, bunker vault studio, whatever you want to call it. And I'm here with our publisher, Pat Jones, and we've called it an emergency podcast because there's a heck of a lot of stuff happening in the uh, industry right now. It's been incredibly busy since the golf industry show. There's been a lot, of, a lot of moving, a lot of statements, a lot of products or ideas coming out. So we're going to talk about some of this. Pat, thanks for coming down here. And I think the first thing we need to talk about is... So a superintendent in eastern Pennsylvania d- decides to retire, and it creates this gigantic ripple effect. What are your thoughts about all these moves at high-profile clubs? And have you seen anything like this since you've been in the business?
1: No, this is just crazy. It's so much. It, it, it's. It's. I don't know if it's fun. It's just you know, when when uh, when the Zimmer's thing broke the other day that John was leaving. Uh, Uh, leaving uh, Oakmont to go to to Inverness to replace his protege, Chad Mark, who'd just gone to Mirfield Village to replace Paul Latshaw, who'd gone to Marion to replace Matt Schaefer, and in, and in, and Um, in. This domino thing just keeps going, and it's the craziest thing ever. But when the the Zerber thing broke, I reached out to somebody because I I didn't have his uh, uh, cell phone number and I wanted to call him, and, and... This guy says, he says, yeah. What's next? You know, I mean, (laughs) who's, which domino is going to fall next? And honestly, I don't know. It's going to be very interesting uh, to 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 see how this continues. But but I think it tells you that there's still an incredible demand for top talent and and the top turfgrass managers at these these clubs that that really want to go from. You know, in the case of an Inverness, it's a top 100 course, but I, I have sneaking feeling. They, they really like to be a top 20 course, and they're going to hire the best people they can to, to get them there. So, I, I, you know, I, I say this a lot in my speeches, that that looking into the future in, in terms of how superintendents are valued at clubs, um, I, I'm buying. I, I'm buying stock in superintendents. I, I think that, 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 that clubs increasingly understand that that's the key role. It's the key person that's going to make a difference between them being – being a top-tier club or even a a successful uh, surviving club in the future is a great golf course superintendent.
0: Yeah, and I I read a story this morning in a local media outlet in Toledo, and the president of Inverness was quoted heavily in the story and said not only is it a great thing for Inverness that we hired John Zimmers, it's a great thing for Toledo that we were able to attract a talented person that's at the top of his profession to a Midwest city. Right. So it's, it's pretty remarkable what these clubs are doing to, to get the best people. And it brings us to the next thing, Pat. I think every superintendent should be following this stuff because it's kind of like the whole um, football situation. When the salaries or the games raised at the highest level, it tends to benefit people at all levels. Right, yeah,
1: Pat? You bet. And, and, and we kind of talked about this last time. The, the, you know, the, the fact that all of these guys are quote-unquote Latchaw uh, guys is, is important. <laughs> but it helps everyone. It benefits everyone. And, and I think you're going to continue to see this kind of transition because we, I think we've made it through this kind of crisis uh, that the recession created. And, and the, the winners and the losers are beginning to separate from each other. And I, and I think facilities that, that really have a belief in investing in the future are, are, are going to pay. And I think they're also going to pay assistance better, which is something that we've been talking a lot about. So, so I think you're going to see this, this investment craze continue that, that started off with we're going to rebuild bunkers. We're going to buy better equipment. We're going to get a new irrigation system. We're going to regrass, We're going to have a better, uh, a better uh, uh, practice area. You know, we're going to have a short game area or whatever else is now going to be we want the best talent we can get. So like I said earlier, I'm, I'm I, if somebody has a stock in superintendents, I'm buying it.
0: You wrote a column last month about raising assistant superintendent salaries, and we, we've talked about this before in here, Pat, but we're two months into 2017, and, and from what I can tell in my travels and my conversations, things aren't getting any better in – clubs trying to find assistant superintendents. There there's some huge challenges out here trying to get that that second or third person on the, the turf team.
1: No, it's 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 going to continue to be a problem. And and this is something I, I just was up at the the Northwest Illinois GCSA speaking and they had a great group uh and and I I, I always do kind of show of hands questions and I, I said, you know, how many of you are experiencing trouble with or concerned about finding an assistant superintendent and damn near every hand went up. So this is not just something that we see or some reflection of what's going on on social media. This was uh, this was a, a, a very clear thing in the fact that we had that much engagement uh, on that article. Uh, I don't, didn't look at how many views we had, but I know we had a lot of social media engagements and shares on, on, on a very simple concept, which is if we want to ensure that we have the right people and the right level of talent to manage these facilities the way they need to be managed, then we need to pay them appropriately. And, and, and that's not going to change until clubs recognize the value of having a an, a managing superintendent who is there every day working with the leadership, working with the board, running the PL, doing all those things that good executives do, and then you've got to have a great field leader, and that's the role for the assistant superintendent or whatever you want to call those titles. Uh, but that's the role is, is somebody out in the field leading the crew making sure that the that the superintendent's vision for that golf facility gets executed and you're going to have to pay I, I thought it was fascinating that this this whole thing with with the department of of labor last year proposing this increase in in and a change in the way that overtime got paid and, and you can you, if you don't know about this it's it's kind of late because a federal court in Texas stepped in and said, no, this is not going to happen. But what it would have done is dramatically increase overtime opportunities for anybody uh, who, who previously wouldn't have been eligible for it. And, and so it was really going to be a problem for a lot of superintendents and, and, and a lot of clubs and a lot of management companies. Uh, but, but yet when it, when it was canceled, when it was voided by this judge in Texas, uh, there was 50% relief from a lot of those organizations because they didn't know how they were going to make that budget, and, and 50% of frustration from superintendents that thought, "Hey, here's a way we were actually going to get to pay our assistants what they were deserved, and and in some cases, themselves. That overtime pay was going to help at home because not everybody, you know, we we live in this world sometimes where we forget there's a lot of superintendents that make forty thousand dollars a year you know, at, at, at courses that, that probably outperform their budgets and they struggle to get by. So that would have been a nice thing for some of them too. So it's not just a, super, a superintendents or, or assistants. We're talking about superintendents. It's also mechanics, uh, critical positions. So we have to rethink this business model of, of assistants being apprentices for three or four years. And, and I still think there are some clubs where that works, but I also think that, that increasingly, People are going to try to hire full-time career assistants and full-time techs where where those guys are just going to be there forever and you're going to try to keep them as long as you can. Um, every other business in the world would do that, and, and, and so I, I, I think you're going to see more of that.
0: We're here in mid-March, and if you look at the number of clubs in the Northeast and Midwest and Mid-Atlantic and Pacific Northwest that might have to go into the, the brute of the golf season or the start of heavy play after the Masters without a assistant superintendent or mechanic or irrigation tech, it, it, it's kind of startling to think about it.
1: And honestly, the yeah, we do need to pay more, but we also need to recruit better. Uh, you know, I love what some of the schools, uh, most notably uh, University of Tennessee, are, are doing to actively recruit kids into those programs and to reach out. But, but, I, but I think the days of demanding that every new assistant or AIT has a four-year turf degree are clearly over. So we've got to look at alternatives, which is people out of two-year programs, people out of VOTech programs, kind of going back to the old Lake City Community College model. Uh, I've spoken to several people after this article came out who said, hey, we, we've got a program to, to recruit some of these kids and to, to intern them and to train them on the job. And the whole idea is if, if you find these, these young people that maybe aren't college-bound right now, and you get them into these programs and you ex- expose them to, go to, uh, to the golf program uh, or the, the golf culture, and, and it turns out they're passionate about it, then send them to school. You know, figure out a way to get them the education, just the amount of education they need, not more, not less, to, to, to emerge into the role of a, of, a, of a managing assistant superintendent, somebody who's really going to make a career out of this. So I, I just think we have to rethink what we, what we define a, an assistant superintendent as.
0: The United States Golf Association this week hosted a symposium in Vancouver right. with a bunch of other groups, and there were there were a lot of things that that came of it. I'm not sure how, how many people outside of the people at the event were paying attention to it because a lot of it happened on West Coast time and late at night. But one of the uh, things that I found interesting was Rand Jarris from the USGA gave a presentation at the. He challenged uh, people in the golf industry to improve golfer satisfaction by 20 percent. While reducing critical resource consumption by 25 percent by 2025, those are pretty lofty goals, aren't, aren't they, Pat?
1: I'll take your word for that. I, I'm mm-hmm. not really sure what, what... How, how do you me- I, I, I know, know. there's I some don't, don't...
0: analytics to measure golfer satisfaction, but I, I'm guessing if people are, if, you're, if you're interviewing golfers, those people are pretty satisfied with what they're getting from their golf experience to, yeah. to keep coming back.:
1: The, the formula has always been pretty simple. It's perceived conditioning quality for the dollar. Right. So if you can stand on the first tee of a course and you can squint and you see Augusta National just a little bit and, you know, man, I'm only paying 50 bucks to play here. This is a great golf course. That's value. That's what got, that's what satisfies golfers. And that formula has been the same as long as I can remember. So I'm not sure what this means. I, I think it, I think the USGA very well intentioned uh, is trying to continue to suggest that, you know, that, that sustainability for the future of golf means fewer inputs. Duh, okay, great, super. Driving that through some sort of a, a methodology or a, a program, I, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, again, I'm a big believer in the free market and a big believer in golf clubs and golf courses taking their own fate into their own hands. This whole idea that we should all wait around for big programs and, and the USGA and the GCSA ought to do this and golf should do something about this is bogus. Um, Every individual club and course needs to take its own fate into its own hands and run their business as well as they can. And I'm fond of telling this, this, this parallel. We're in the publishing business, right? And, and one of the most common questions I get is, oh, print's dying, right? What, what are you guys going to do? How are you business going to survive? Our business has never been healthier because we've been evolving. We change. We're not sitting out around waiting for the publishing executives of America Association to figure out a way to save print, We're rebuilding our own business from the inside out. And that's what golf courses have to
0: do. I'll tell you where it's going to be really difficult to to meet some of these goals and ambitions or some of these courses that are built around homes. I was just in the Coachella Valley of California a few weeks ago, and it you you need critical resources to promote the lifestyle and what the customers bought into right. so so people bought into this vision in the 80s and 90s and water was plentiful and the aquifer there wasn't wasn't tapped that far into the ground and the all- American canal was producing water in the area so how do you tell somebody that that bought into something and paid good money for it? 20 25 years ago that all of a sudden the course has to, to change or the aesthetics have to change to, to reach reach a number it, it it's easy for somebody in an office in another part of the country to put these arbitrary numbers out there and these challenges but but the superintendent on the ground there and in other parts of the country, where housing is a major component of the golf course and is the reason people are there, you know, the the, the golf right. course aesthetics are more important than the playing conditions. Yeah, yeah, I think every superintendent would want the water to go less and have firm playing conditions. But but right. when back porch views are considered, it's a whole. Different situation. And I think sometimes that's what a lot of people forget when we talk about resources and brown is okay. Well, is brown okay when someone paid $1.5 million for a view (laughs) and and gets that brown and there's other places he or she can move to?
1: To your point, this is exactly what confuses me about this idea of a golfer satisfaction index because there's a million of them. Every, Every golf course has its own. Set of values, whether it's, you know, and again, if you're you're a housing development, you have this completely different mindset of we got to keep the homeowners happy. You know, it's not just about the playability of the surface versus a standalone high quality club where they don't care what the neighbors think. They're going to create the best possible golf experience as a competitive experience or, or whatever that might be. This this whole idea that we continue to think of all golf courses being the same is really wrong and and, and it, it's misleading. Golf courses are stratified. Whether we what, like to admit it or not, they're stratified by budget. They're stratified by location. They're stratified by type of course: private, public, daily fee, government, etc. Every single one of them is completely different. Yet we we constantly are just lumping them all together. So we got to stop doing that. We got to start thinking. Okay, what's the right solution for? The core of the USGA member clubs. What's the right solution for uh, courses that are part of of, uh, housing developments that maybe are managed by management companies? What's the right solution for government golf? You know, and every one of these is going to have a little bit different set of needs and a little bit different set of values, and we got to get smarter about that. But but ultimately, like I said earlier, it's not a we thing; it's them. They need to sit down and figure this out and quit sitting around waiting for Tiger to come back, for God's sakes. If I hear one more thing about Tiger coming back, I'm going to scream. It's pointless. It's stupid. Waiting for golf to come back again and the millennials are going to play. Bull. Bull. Forget the millennials. Forget kids. Do some things to attract women. Okay. Women have all the money. They want to play golf, but they're intimidated by it, by the stupid rules and the feeling that they're not good at it. We've got to to stop talking about scorecards and and all this other stuff and and emphasize some simple things from a standpoint of attracting women. It's fun. It's fitness. You can do it with your family and friends and you can drink wine while you're doing it. And I hate to be sexist about this but that's the way my wife thinks that's what she wants when she plays golf she wants to go have a good time she doesn't want anybody watching her you know she's a little embarrassed by her swing but she she loves it she loves the experience of being out there and she feels like when we walk nine holes she got some exercise that's what we need to promote okay instead of this hey let's have more junior golf programs no let's get women out there drinking wine
0: i think we agree the intentions with some of these programs are good and it it's the execution that, that's different and that varies amongst all fifteen thousand two hundred golf all golf facilities.
1: Every single one of them is well intentioned, and, yeah. and I'm and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, to say that they're not. But but sitting around waiting for big industry solutions is a license to fail and go bankrupt.
0: Well, with that said, some rule changes were proposed yeah. and announced a few weeks ago, yeah. and I think the one that might have the biggest impact on agronomics is that golfers if these do pass are going to be allowed to tap down spike marks right. what impact do you think that's going to have on on golf i i could see positives and negatives to it uh the positive obviously maybe uh golfer golfers will will grumble a little less about the condition of the greens if, if they can pat down what's in their lie but there's also a huge negative it could really slow Pace of play. What were your thoughts when you heard that that was going to be permitted if these rule changes by the USG and RNA pass? I
1: think the most important thing is that they're listening and they're willing to change. I mean, the the, the specifics of of what gets changed and Mm. and how they get changed are less important than the fact that they recognize that this is a problem. Well, it took a huge PR disaster <laughs> right. at the United McCullough, States Open right. last year to, to spark this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, I've been going around and give this, this speech about how awesome Oakmont was and, and what a great job John and Dave DelSamaro and the team did there, but at the same time, how badly they shot themselves in the foot with the Dustin Johnson thing. And, and, and this whole idea of high-def TV and everything else, it's just like, stop, stop this, stop this fixation with rules and with, with creating this, this image of golf that it's difficult and hard to understand and has stupid rules. So good for them. Good for them for listening and doing something. And honestly, I think the specifics of the rule changes are less important. Uh, that said, superintendents need to stay on top of them because ultimately it affects how you mark the course and it affects a lot of things. So be be aware of what these changes mean. But the but the point is, is I think it's good that the USGA and the RNA are listening. I haven't pulled
0: out a rule book since I played golf in high school and in competitive situations when my buddies and i go out we we have a framework of what the rules are going to be and we kind of just tailor our game to what that framework is <laughs> right and i think that's how 95 percent of golfers play you know whether you're agree. competing for your club championship or playing high school golf or college golf or you know competing <laughs> in amateur events i think that's how most people do it they have somewhat of a working knowledge of yeah. golf and kind of just play by the rules that that fit their foursome or group best.
1: You know how old I am? Uh, Gosh, it must have been about 1989 or something like that. And I was out speaking at a a facility out west. And I I shared a a van, a shuttle to the airport with Frank Hannigan, who uh, died not too long ago, but he was the head of the USGA at the time and preceded David Fay in in that job. And and I was talking to Frank, and I said exactly this. I said, Frank, i got to tell you, I, I stink. I'm not a very good golfer, and the, the rules of golf are just this puzzlement to me. I don't understand any of them, and, and I don't understand why you know, it, 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 they should be so complicated. And Frank, being a hilarious guy that he was, looks at me, and he sort of makes the sign of a cross and says, Son, I, I, I give you permission to play by whatever rules you and your partners agree to play by on the first tee. And I loved that because <laughs> that's what most people do. It's like, okay, yeah, everybody gets a kick. Everybody gets a toss. You know, whatever. Yeah. Just go have fun. You know, unless you're playing in a competitive situation, great. If you're not, play play whatever you want to play.
0: Speaking of fun, uh, the World Golf Championship was played in Mexico City yeah. at Club de Golf, tech. I, s- I pronounce it different every time, so I apologize if I <laughs> didn't Tripol- get it right. Yeah. And I thought... It was wonderful on TV, and I thought it was wonderful for golf to take a, a big event like that to Latin America and play it on a, a cool, old, quirky course. I mean, what were your thoughts about it, Pat? I thought it, I thought it was very entertaining, and I thought it was cool to see something different in March than a flat Florida golf course on TV. It
1: was amazing. It was great. I didn't, you know, honestly, I didn't know that a golf course existed, and here it is. It's hundred years old. It's a great golf facility. It's it's seventy eight hundred feet. You know, so it's a really unique piece of property, and uh, they they seem to love it. They need to cut down about 9,000 trees. That was apparent. You know, they've grown up the trees over the years because they're smack in the middle of of one of the most populous cities in the world. But uh, no, I thought it was terrific. The the crowds looked wonderful. And, and, you know, Doral, no offense to Doral and and Mr. Trump and and all that stuff, but it, it I think frankly this is this is great that, that we've got. The event needed that. some juice. Yeah, no no doubt. No doubt. And 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 for our new commissioner of the PGA Tour to have a successful international event like this right off the bat, I think it's great. And I think it also proved
0: that golf courses don't have to play 8,000 yards to test the best players in the world. I mean, the course was 7,300, 7,400 yards, but when you, when it's at altitude like it's that, like the 6, ball... It's like
1: 6,500 yards down yeah. here, right? And,
0: and the course brought in a lot of strategy. It was cool. I mean, you saw guys hitting irons on some holes, and you also saw players hitting drivers on those same holes, and it was yeah. a very risk-reward golf course. I believe Dustin Johnson's winning score was around 1,400 par, which doesn't mean the course was desecrated, and it also doesn't mean that guys didn't struggle. I, I I thought it was the neatest thing. It, it, it sold out. The crowd was enthusiastic. Um, you had had a great leaderboard. I mean, it was what Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, and Justin Thomas playing in, in the final group on on Sunday, and I, I thought the ag- despite the tree problem, I thought the agronomics of the golf course were cool, uh, different different grasses, obviously the growing environment's different there at elevation, and with some of the smog and yep. pollution, and you're right, it does probably need 9,000 less trees, and the funny thing is you could probably take 9,000 trees out of that golf course, and it would still be a heavily tree-lined <laughs> <Right>. golf course.
1: <laughs> but I do think that this could be Mark Coons' retirement <laughs> job after he finishes <laughs> up at Balstraw. He can take his ninja tree removal crew down there to Mexico and take care of that golf course, because it, it, it does need to get some trees out. It, they definitely had some some shade issues and some other problems, but very cool place, and I, and I think it's great.
0: Yeah, and it's cool. In a few weeks, uh, the other the WGC match play is going to be at Austin Country Club, yep. which was introduced last year. Bobby Stringer, the superintendent there, yep. is a, a friend of ours, and that's another course where it doesn't play 7,500 yards with giant rough and real penal situations. It was a risk-reward golf course, too, and I, I think that these two courses, these are two good markets to have for WGC events. Austin's a boom booming city. It's going to be one of the top 10 biggest markets oh, yeah. in the United States within a, a decade and I, I give credit to the PGA Tour to exposing the world to different golf environments and the superintendents in those environments have presented awesome golf courses so this is very very encouraging.
1: Yeah I, you know it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be another very interesting year with, with host sites and championship sites you know it's, it's definitely not going to be the, the, the kind of uh, alignment of stars we had last year but it's still pretty neat. It's pretty neat.
0: So a prominent golf television analyst made the comment last weekend that that golf should ban Twitter. I think everybody <laughs> knows who said that. We're not going to mention his name. He, he he does his job, and some people say he's, he he does his job well. Some people say he doesn't do his job well. I guess that's why you're an analyst. That's why you're on TV. Not everyone's going to agree with you. But I think the point of that is is uh, golf should absolutely not ban Twitter. In fact, I think golf is the ultimate Twitter sport and activity with the beautiful landscapes and the different possibilities you have on 18 holes (laughs) and the social element. I just want to, say that uh golf will not be banning twitter in fact i think we'll see more and more social media in our business and (laughs) we're finally seeing uh the major entities involved in the business like the pga tour and pga of america and usga really figure out how how to use social media to advantage the way the usga used social media to rule out the new rules was was phenomenal and they deserve credit for that so it's it's getting better in my opinion and you're not in fact i think pga tour players are going to be tweeting on the golf course within two or three years as crazy as that sounds. wow
1: you think so Yes, it's I, interesting I, I, because that that does fly in the face of aids to play. You have you have to limit their access to cell phones during play, but I, I wondered about that because I know that, I know that like at college and high school levels, they're not allowed to have any kind of aid to play. But 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 back to your point, is hey, if Brandall Professor Grumpy Pants Chambly doesn't want to use Twitter anymore, awesome, <laughs> you know that's fine by me. But but I, I do think that that it's one of the best things. We again going back to this whole grow the game thing. Right. This is great. It's great that these guys have embraced it, particularly the younger the younger folks. And that's not so much a Twitter thing as it is an Instagram and Snapchat thing. So you know, one of the, one of the things I preach about when I when I give these speeches, I'll say, okay, how many of you all are on Snapchat? And and maybe two hands will go up, and they're usually guys like me that have uh, have uh, young uh, daughters in their life or stepdaughters, in my case, and. and and they don't – so nobody really understands what snap oh, it's that silly thing where people send pictures to each other and they, they, they go away in a few minutes. You know what it is. It's the primary communications uh, uh, vehicle for Jordan Spieth and Ricky Fowler and Rory and Smiley and all these young uh, uh, sort of you know, hot professional golfers. They're on Snapchat all the time. So if you talk to an 18-year-old girl in this country who has no interest in golf, chances are really good they still know about Ricky Fowler or whatever else. So I think it's great that these guys are out there on Instagram and on Snapchat and these these alternative platforms selling the game of golf to a group of people that otherwise probably wouldn't have the least bit of interest in
0: it. If you really care about golf, one of the best things you can do is – is go on facebook go on twitter send text messages of the beautiful landscape you're at and the fun you're having with your friends and family members those are the people that are ultimately going to grow the yep. grow golf and multiply numbers and that's the amazing thing about social yeah. media things can multiply by, fast by, so if you really care about the future of golf you know go go on your accounts and post pictures of having fun and and things things will grow that way things things catch on that way more the, than initiatives the, and big ideas i
1: agree one of the yeah. greatest things i think and you see these a lot on sunday afternoon you you know, and you and I are social media junkies, and so we'll sit in our Sunday afternoon. We get paid to do it, though. Well, that's true. Kind of. <laughs> um, it, it, you start seeing these pictures of superintendents that have taken their kids out to the golf course over Sunday afternoon just to go out and check on the golf course or whatever, and taking their kids along and riding around the golf course and playing in bunkers and – you know, seeing wildlife and everything else, it's the greatest thing in the world to see superintendents take, take their kids out there. It's so wonderful. That's been happening for generations. It's been happening forever. And I I just – I can't get enough of it. I, and I think that that is the kind of thing we need to communicate about golf is – it, golf courses are a wonderful place for children. They're, they're this beautiful environment. Where else are you going to see this kind of green space in wildlife and, and, and feel the fresh air and feel the sun like you will on a golf course?
0: I Last thing here, GCI has an event coming up in a few weeks in the Dallas area. We do. Tell our listeners and followers a little about what's what's going down and what's going to happen after the event in Dallas.
1: Yeah, you know, we, everybody said, uh, "Okay, Jonesy, how are you going to do? What are you going to do? You did the tech, you did the GCI Tech Conference in Charlotte last year, which was awesome. Yeah, you know, it was really cool, and I still can't thank Matthew Wharton and the Carolinas guys enough, and and our sponsors. You know, it that, that was just a great event." Uh, but it was a lot of work. So, so we, we I kept thinking, okay, we need to get back to the original idea of the of the technology conference, which was to focus on on data management and and new technologies. And, and this is something you know with the USGA's new system uh, that they're promoting. And you know, there's there's all these different kinds of data platforms out there now. These new technologically capable systems. The question is, is how as a superintendent do you use them? So uh, the people at Winfield uh, United reached out to us and said, hey, we want to, we want to tell a story about this because we think it's really important to our customers to understand these different technology platforms, including one that they have. And and so we set up a tour and and we're going to do, instead of doing a full day conference with eight presenters and all that stuff, it's more of a half day format with people focused just on uh, how to use data effectively, how to integrate it with your spraying program. And, and so the specifics, very much a, a specifics thing. And our very first one is going to be in Dallas uh, here in, in a, f- a few weeks on, on March 29th. So if you're in the, the Dallas-Fort Worth area, in the larger area, go to our website, and you can find out how to sign up for that bad boy. But I, I think it's going to be fun, and we're announcing the, the rest of the uh, locations and, and time shortly. But it looks like we're going to be in Denver. We're going to be up in New York. And we're going to be in Minneapolis. So stay tuned for, for times and specifics about those as well.
0: Well, as you can tell, uh, Pat and I are pretty enthusiastic about what's going on in the golf industry. Now, I would say it's been a really exciting two months. Uh, if you look at just our level of the industry, there's a lot happening. And if you look at the pro levels, it's, it, it's been fun. It's going to lead into Augusta and the Masters. So um, that's it for today's podcast. Thanks for coming down, Pat. We'll be doing more of these soon. We'll do them on a regular basis whenever the news in the industry warrants them.
1: <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure it ever really warrants having to listen to us talk for this long, but, but I was happy to do it. And, and, and I'm also just baffled at the idea that you're less than enthusiastic about anything ever, Guy. You're always enthusiastic.
0: You've been listening to the Superintendent Radio Network, the podcast of Golf Course Industry Magazine, a production of GIE Media. I've been your host, Guy Cipriano. You can find all of our podcasts on iTunes or the SRN page of golfcourseindustry.com talk to us at srn at or at gci magazine on twitter thanks for listening